Uh, If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to the book of Acts, chapter 8. We'll be reading verses uh, 26 to 40, uh, uh, Acts chapter 8, 26 to 40. So, good morning, welcome. Uh, Really looking forward to Life Plus tonight. Uh, starting here, 7.30. If you're new to the church, once again, you're invited. If you've been on one of our alphas, and this is a great follow-on course uh, for you. And actually, if you're looking into what the Christian faith is about, you're exploring, you're discovering, Life Plus is also for you. So come and check the first night out here tonight. Uh, For those of you who are new to the church or uh, visiting for the first time, we've been tracking our way, trekking our way through an amazing book of the Bible called Acts. We call the series Spirit Breakout, an account, an account of the phenomenal growth of the early church across the known world at the time. A miraculous event, really, in, the, uh, in, history, um, re, uh, in history, as the reality of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, goes viral. And what is fascinating, what is breathtaking, what is eye-popping today, is, you know what? That story hasn't ended. That story that continued so many years ago continues now across the globe. In fact, even more so. In 1910, there were 600 million Christians in the world. Today, we are approaching over the years to come 3 billion. Every year, 2.7 million men, women, children are leaving behind what they did believe and converting to Christianity. David Garrison records in his excellent book, uh, A Wind in the House of Islam, he says, studies estimate significantly more people have converted from Islam to Christianity in the 21st century than ever before in in Islamic history. That is phenomenal. What's my point? Well, it's this. You see, we can read the book of Acts and think, those were the good old days. But get the facts. More people, Jubilee, are being healed. More people are being uh, released from spiritual oppression. More blind people are seeing. More lame people are walking. More deaf ears are being opened. More cancers are being restored. More dead people are being raised to new life. More men and women and children are being born again. More churches are starting than ever before in the history of Christianity. That is phenomenal. And you know what? It all boils down to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we've been singing about, what you've been worshipping about this morning. That's, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. This amazing gospel. So let's read uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40, describing Acts tends to... Acts describes quite a few conversions. We get a glimpse into how people become Christians in Acts. We're going to see a few of them. We're going to see a a Roman, a traditional Roman guy. Hello, do you want to do this this morning? You're very welcome. Acts describes conversions, doesn't it? Um, We're going to hear about a traditional Jewish religious guy who gets converted. A Roman centurion who who gets converted. But here in Acts 8, we see an Ethiopian eunuch getting converted. Let's read. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, 
that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure of Kandaki, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem, the Ethiopian, to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep. Uh, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Who is it? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your gospel. I thank you, Lord, that your gospel is good news. It's joy news. It's the biggest news. As Simon said, you are massive. I thank you, Lord, that your message, your life-changing message, is a glorious one, is a history-changing one, is a life-shaping one, is a, is a, is a life-transforming one. And we pray, Lord God, that you, will, um, that you will come and fill us with your spirit this morning so that we hear what you are saying through the scripture. Lord, be our teacher this morning as we open up this passage in greater detail. And we pray, Lord God, that as we do every time, encounter you in your word. Thank you, Lord. So right at the end, verse 40, it says, Philip traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The gospel Jubilee, I feel God this morning wants to provoke us um, about the gospel. Is your gospel, Jubilee, too small? If we want to see this church church grow and impact the area, if we want to mature in Christ, if we want to see people healed and restored, if we want to see people released in all the kingdom activity of Jesus, we need to get a bigger gospel, the gospel, the real gospel. That's what we need, don't we? And, and, and so, this morning I'd like to unpack this amazing gospel. Glimpses of it, because actually we'd be here all year if we took all of it. So, seatbelts on, the gospel, six things, here goes. Firstly, the gospel is good news, not good advice. Or not just good advice. The word gospel is the, is the Greek word euangelion, euangelion. When you break it down, it's made up, made up of the word angelos, which is the word for a messenger, someone bringing news of an event that has already happened. And the prefix, the bit before, you, means joyful. In other words, news that brings joy, a message of joy. Euangelion, actually, is the root word that, we, uh, that is used... Um, to describe that, 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 to describe evangelists, yeah, um, and that's where we, that, that's where that uh, word comes from. And back in Acts, 
when the followers of Jesus were calling his story the gospel, euangelion, people would have been shocked. Why? Because it wasn't just a word for any old news, like the big caption on the front of the Evening Gazette, Dennis Smith didn't bring his library book on time. Wow! That's not news, is it? That's boring. I don't want to know that. But Evangelion, the gospel, was big, big news. It was a different kind of news altogether. When great battles were won, they would send men called heralds or evangelists, runners who brought the good news, Evangelion, to the cities and towns. These evangelists would enter the city gates proclaiming the good news of victory, of freedom, of release from slavery. It will be a celebration all out. Jubilee, that's the gospel right there, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ is big, big, big news. The biggest news ever, actually. And it's not just advice. When I was there looking into Christianity in the midst of uh, all the other beliefs and faiths and worldviews out there way back um, in my university days. This was, this was the thing that really stuck out for me. It was different. As I saw it, other religions were all about advice. Do this, do that, a list of rules and regulations to get right with God, which either made me feel guilty because I could never keep up or made me feel very superior, full of myself when I was ticking all the boxes. Tick, tick, tick. That didn't happen very often. But the gospel, Christianity, is radical. It's not news of what God has done for you primarily. It's not just advice about what you have to do for God. It's, it's what God has done for you. Jesus died on the cross for you and me. That's the big news. So that all of our sin, all of our disregard, all of our disobedience, all of our dishonor towards this life-giving, loving God... Jesus paid the rightful price for all that rebellion so that the wall separating us from God would come crashing down forever. It's a gift given, not a book slammed on a table. It's, it's life-giving, it's not condemning. That changed my whole viewpoint. It captivated my heart. Suddenly I wanted to please this God who went all out for me before I did anything at all. Suddenly, as I looked at the cross, I knew without a doubt this Jesus loved me. I wanted to behave because I knew I belonged first. Adopted into his family, as Matthew just said. Come tonight on Life Plus if you want to hear more of that because it's going to be, because um, we'll unpack it in greater detail. Secondly, the gospel. So the gospel. Um, is, not, is, not just good, is, is good news, not just good advice. Secondly, the gospel comes to people through God, the Holy Spirit. That's what uh, Shirley was talking about earlier. Fire, fall down. What's fascinating about this sermon series, this phenomenal book of the Bible called Acts, is that, is that it primarily describes very ordinary people, ordinary people encountering an extraordinary God. The mix results in extraordinary things happening. How? Through receiving God, the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you keep receiving the Spirit? It's very important. 
When we look at this encounter between Philip and the African eunuch, who's the primary agent that makes it all happen? It's not Philip. It's not the eunuch. It's not the angel even. Who is it? It's God. Why does it need God? Because we wouldn't do half the things God wants us to do without his nudgings. See verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, uh, to the, road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Angels are messengers and ministers of God, sent by God. I can imagine Philip thought, No God, I don't really want to do that. Thousands of people have just been saved here. Um, it's all happening here. This is where the action is. I'm needed here. I don't really fancy going to Samaria. They don't like us over there. Over there. The desert road is pretty scary. See verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot with the unicorn it, the African unicorn it, and stay near it. I can imagine he thought, that chariot's pretty fast. How am I going to keep up? I'm not really uh, in, in good shape for all this. And hey, do you know who's on there? He's an African guy, not our best friend. He's a eunuch. He's got no tickle-tackle. He's, he's, got, he's, he's a CEO. He's a finance minister of a hotshot queen. He's not going to be interested in me or you for that matter, God. Get real. He might chop my head off. Can we go back now? But God knows what he's doing. He's calling away Philip, get this, from the thousands to get the one. Because he loves him. And he knows that eunuch may one day become a nation changer. Jubilee, God the Holy Spirit brings the gospel into, our, into people's lives through you and me. We are his messengers. We can't save people. God does that. Phew! I just need to do what he tells me to do. And as an aside, Philip is a great evangelist. But what really makes him great is his character shaped by God. Spiritual gifts. He's an evangelist. Spiritual gifts without spirit-filled character is no gift at all. Spirit, spiritual fruit is the context for spiritual gifts to operate out there. Philip exemplified this. In a time when thousands were being filled by God the Holy Spirit, he was chosen, remember Acts 6? He was chosen as somebody who stood out when we looked at that passage earlier. I'll tell you what else I've been pondering recently. Um, Acts 21.9, later on, Philip becomes a family man. He's got kids. And it says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Think about how exciting the school run must have been. He had four daughters who prophesied. You know what? That doesn't happen overnight. That requires years of consistency. That requires nurturing, love, releasing. It requires patience and encouragement. It requires input and being there. It requires a life of faith and prayer. Philip was a man of character and faith, and his daughters were fruit of that. I'm sure Mrs. Philip had something to do with it as well. Charismatic excitement without consistent character doesn't build the, the kingdom of God. 
The world doesn't buy it. It sees superficiality and play-acting a mile off. The gospel comes to people through God the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the gospel is miraculous. When you read the Bible, this gospel is primarily demonstrated through signs and wonders. In this passage, we have glimpses of that. An angel comes. God the Holy Spirit gives Philip uh, words of knowledge. Right at the end, Philip, boom, disappears. We didn't read that bit. We're talking about a God of miracles and power here. Just the other night, uh, I went down uh, with Dennis uh, for a taster evening at the Teesside School of Supernatural Ministry. And just like many other things, you know, it raised questions in, in me. But you know what? It really caught my attention. This community of people, and they really were a friendly, welcoming bunch, were passionate about seeing healing. They had faith together. They were increasingly um, growing in their belief that God in their belief of God breaking out in the miraculous. They were zealous about stepping out in prophetic encouragement. There was a corporate, spirit-empowered oomph about them. I was praying, God, would you use these gifted men and women to play out this faith in their churches? Job 9.4 says, His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. What I find is that the Bible is uncompromising about its wisdom and theology and teaching as well as its demonstration of power, signs and wonders. Often as we work out these things in our churches, we can put an emphasis on one at the expense of the other. God never does that. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Philip got this. Acts 8, 6 says this, When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he, per, he, he performed, they all paid attention, close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. We want great joy in this city and all the cities, don't we? So as ever... In your Bible reading, in what you listen to, in how you uh, play out your faith, let's not settle for clumsy theology. Let's not settle for lukewarm faith either. Let's see God move in the miraculous. Do we have faith for that? Jesus was the greatest pioneer of, of, what, of, of, of what wisdom and power looked like in the kingdom of God. A quarter of the stories of Jesus uh, life and death and resurrection about, are about miraculous healing, about miracles, healing. Uh, Matthew tells us, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, and healing every disease and sickness. Crowds gather, gathered, bringing their sick, and he healed them all. Wow! Um, Oxford scholar and Bible teacher, Professor Graham Twelfthy, 12.3 writes, however reluctantly, the vast majority of students of the historical Jesus confirm that Jesus performed mighty works. He did. The single most time-consuming aspect of Jesus' public mission was the performing of miracles. Any critical reconstruction of the historical Jesus 
um, must not only include but indeed emphasize that he was a most powerful and prolific miracle worker. And Jesus encourages us and challenges us. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. On a foundation of strong, robust understanding, I want to step out in all the power that God wants to unleash through me to others. And in all of that, as Dennis recently emailed me uh, just the other day, we are learning. We have L plates on. Do you believe the gospel is a miraculous one? Fourthly, the gospel flourishes in community. This gospel is about restoring a community of believers that is so breathtaking, Acts 2, that the others want to experience the God who brings it about. This Ethiopian eunuch in his grand chariot and expensive Isaiah scroll with his education and connections and positions could have quite easily said, thank you, Philip, but I don't need the likes of you to help me out. Come along now, get on your way, shoo! He could have said that, but he didn't. In his spiritual thirst for God, in his longing for more to life than this, in his quest for the God of the Bible, he says, How can I understand what Isaiah is getting at unless someone comes into my life and explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. That's immense trust, immense vulnerability, immense honor in his culture. Jubilee, our God makes himself known through community and relationship. Philip, will you help me? Jubilee, I keep banging on about this because it's probably the most important aspect of our gospel impact in the city to each other and the nations. Restoring community is what people out there see. Hebrews 10 says, Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us unswervingly, uh, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For we who For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It was a challenge then, it's a challenge now. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the uh, the day approaching. That last line's interesting, isn't it? As we kind of become more mature Christians, as we kind of live the year, as we uh, live, live our Christian faith out over the years, as we get a little bit older, we can sometimes think, well, I can bail out of this and I can bail out of that. But Hebrews is saying no. Hebrews is saying no. We need community all the more as we get older and as we mature. It's part of our maturity. The church needs your presence and input. It needs your faith stories as we get older. It needs your life experience. It needs your encouragement and spurring that only you can bring. 
If you're not regularly part of our community life, our monthly prayer meetings this Tuesday, um, weekly Sunday gatherings, midweek home community groups, our bigger devoted celebrations as we gather community groups together every month, why not? Please, for the sake of Jesus' church, step up, step in, commit. You will grow, we'll all grow. Fifth, the gospel bridges human divides. There, was, there were huge barriers that Philip had to cross um, to get to the African eunuch. He was in a dangerous part of the world. They were different from, uh, they were different from, they were from different nations. Their social backgrounds couldn't have been further apart. He was a eunuch and therefore, is a, and, and therefore was a Jewish outcast. He, he just traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And when he got there, there would have been a big sign saying, eunuchs not allowed. Deut- Deuteronomy 23.1, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. The cultural, religious, social, psychological hurdles were huge. But Philip crosses the bridge. Jubilee, I believe God is calling uh, those of you from Muslim backgrounds to make a difference in the homes and communities of our loved Muslim brothers and sisters in the area, to be salt and light, to battle injustice, to fight against poverty. I believe God is calling those of you from African backgrounds, it's so great to see Sam here this morning, um, to be light in dark places. I believe God is calling those of you who had difficult lives, abuse, domestic violence, family breakdown, poverty, addiction, uh, um, to be fully restored in Christ, that's what Jesus does, and bring Jesus' healing and joy to those who are now suffering with similar situations. Someone once said, God never wastes a hurt. Those of you in business and secular leadership, the gospel empowers you to be radical and countercultural to see the upside-down kingdom of God play out in commerce and government and places of authority and big decisions. You creatives, yesterday was 12-12. God wants to restore this whole area of art, media, images, writing, songs, dance. He wants the gospel declared through you. He wants to speak to the world encouragement, compassion, and salvation through what you, belong, through what you bring. Community group leaders, well done. Well done for gathering people. I feel God wants, you to, wants to encourage you to continue to proactively grow your group. Invite other, others in. Be on guard for those who are drifting, maybe. Arrange lifts, put on meals, send messages, pick up the phone. You probably do a whole load of these things anyway. And I know it's very difficult. But you know what? Jesus is worth it. Sometimes it might not feel like it. 2 Kings 3 says, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches in preparation, Jubilee, so that, on the, so that one day when we see revival again, that valley shall be filled with water. That's what Jeremy brought prophetically just a few weeks ago. The gospel is good news, not just good advice. The gospel comes to people through God the Holy Spirit. The gospel is a miraculous one. The gospel flourishes in community. The gospel bridges human divides. Finally, six, the gospel 
is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Then Philip, verse, verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading from Isaiah and told him the good news about Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You see, you see, here we have a man who's reached the top. He's paid a terrible price to get there. If you wanted to work in the king's courts where the king's wife was and maybe other women from his harem just to avoid temptation, part of the job description was castration. He was also desperately searching. He's left his homeland to go in search of this amazing God that's puzzling him in Isaiah 53. He's just gone to Jerusalem in desperation and they've said, no eunuchs allowed here. And in the midst of this turmoil, as he's exploring this section of Isaiah, he'll have come across Isaiah 56.3 as well. What does that say? It says, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, this is the truth. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who worship me, who choose, what, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my promise, my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than the sons, better than sons and daughters. It, I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. How can that be? To have a name, you must have descendants in that tradition. Better than sons and daughters? Really? How can I not be a dry tree forever, Philip's asking. And actually, as you read the whole book of Isaiah, you get these fascinating parallel, two parallel plot lines, don't you? Um, growing and developing and drawing us in and catching our attention. On the one hand, there's a king, a messiah, a coming conqueror who will defeat enemies and conquer death. On the other, there is uh, one who brings victory and celebration. Then there's this whole other story, isn't there, about a suffering servant, Isaiah 42. This servant will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not suffer. That doesn't sound like a conquering giant. Who are these two people? A king here, a crushed servant here, and then as the plot thickens and the verses move on, the mystery unfolds, the shocking reality hits him, hits us. These two seemingly different people are the same person. How can that be? Who is he? That's what Philip's asking. And of course we know, don't we? Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Hear this correctly. Jesus became a eunuch for us. Not literally, but in every other way. He was shamed, he was mutilated, he took humanity's injustice and sin. He paid a terrible price to get there. He was cut off from God so that we could have his everlasting name. Now better than human sons and daughters. We are children of the living God. 
finally at home, finally where we belong. That's the gospel. It's all about Jesus. You know what, Jubilee? Let's be big gospel messengers because we've got a big, big gospel. Let's be like the Apostle Paul declaring, full of faith, if the band can come up. Let's be like the Apostle Paul declaring, full of faith, in Romans 1.6, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Let's stand. Yes, Lord, I thank you that your gospel is amazing. I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to exchange all the little things for the big thing that is you. I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to um, remove all those things that are seated on the throne in our lives and welcome you as the one who is truly seated on the throne. We thank you for the amazing exchange. We thank you that you are seated in glory in the heavenlies, that you are sovereign and ruler, that you are um, ruling and reigning over everything that, uh, over every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Lord, we thank you for the great exchange in our life as you came down and lifted us up. Spirit of God, keep bringing confidence, security, and joy in our lives. Let it be a spirit that overflows in us so that others feel the impact of your amazing gospel and hear through compassion, through works, through um, love, through Alpha, through Life Plus tonight, through all the different things that we get involved in. I pray, Lord God, that your gospel goes out to this city, the nation, and the nations through people in this room. We ask that in Jesus' name. Let's stand, let's worship.